0: Welcome to SkewCast, the podcast for entrepreneurs in the promotional products industry. SkewCast shines a light on our industry's best work, features Maverick personalities, and discusses what's really involved in running a modern promotional products business. SkewCast is the official podcast of Common Skew.
1: Our responsibility is, is to create relationships with our product it is not to create relationships with people Mm. that is people buy our product they don't buy the relationship that they have with someone and that bubbles underneath the surface of everything that we do
0: the celebrated designer milton glazer once said that the purpose of art was to inform and delight to combine together both pleasure and applicability to life if you didn't make it to the ppai expo this year You might not know that the Numo booth was the buzz of the show. Thousands of people converged on their booth, and unlike many come-and-go experiences at trade shows, their guests stayed, and stayed, and stayed. Why? Numo built a two-story house in the middle of the expo trade show floor. Not tables with product, not a booth with velcro or slat wall and hangered items, but they built a home with a bedroom, a pool, refrigerator, a balcony, couch, bed, washer, dryer, It was an immersive and breathtaking experience. They took beautiful product and placed it in context of where it lives, respecting both function and form. Here's what you don't know. Numo had a completely different concept in mind and spent an inordinate amount of time working on it. But three months before Expo, they got a better idea and scrapped months of planning. This is the story of the house that Numo built. Hi friends, I'm Bobby Lehew, the Chief Content Officer at CommonSkew. Today I'm joined by Jim Martin And Melissa McCauley as we chat about many things starting with the house and veering into subtopics such as their collaborative creative process, the sustainability conversation we're not having, the homogenization of the business, and so much more. If you've talked with Jim and Melissa together, you know it will be a rambling conversation but so rich with insightful detours. This episode is brought to you by CommonSkew, the platform that powers your connected workflow, enabling you to process more orders and dramatically grow your sales. To learn more or to start your free trial now, visit commonsq.com. Now here's my conversation with Jim and Mel. God, guys, I'm so glad to have you on this. This is not speakerly me speaking. This is like just thrilled to have Is you this guys on authentic talk.
2: passionate disruptor humble you speaking
0: <laughs> <laughs> so since you already let, went that what direction mel let's talk about those words we're not going to use today we're not going to use passionate we're, we're not going to use disruptor we're not going to use humble we're not going to use authentic and per Jim's instructions, we're not going to use ROI.
1: <laughs> or the industry. Per, or the industry. Per, or the, or the or industry. No. Okay. <laughs> what we, we will say when we use uh-huh. the
2: industry is just that we want everyone to know we are putting our air quotes up when we say the <laughs>
0: okay, industry. Right. We don't right. say
2: the industry without okay. air quotes.
0: How about I just get started? I'm going to go start with my first question, and we're going to probably go off the rails pretty quick, and I'm I'm here for this ride.
2: Yeah, we can definitely disclaim our squirrelism if we need to. Yeah, I mean, we'll,
0: I think we'll, for sure.
1: For Jim sure.
2: likes to, what do you say, Jim, at three in the morning in the booth when you're like, this is the face of-
1: Mental illness? Well, yeah. <laughs> I'll, do poke, I'll, do keep, Ill, I'll do the best I can. not to poke for anyone that's mentally ill, I certainly will do the best I can to keep you guys focused. Okay. Oh, well, right. thanks. Thanks, it, Jim. It sure feels good to have you help us with that <laughs> as someone who's completely
2: focused at all times. Yeah, time.
1: right. Somebody has to- <laughs>
0: Right when we were fired up the mics, we talked a little about about how you guys work together, which sounds like not even controlled chaos; it's just chaos. Is that how you would describe yep. your working
1: relationship?
2: Yep. Um, you know, you got some beautiful mind things at work going yeah. on there, and
1: yeah. <sighs> Look, I think that I think that Mel and I. Have the it's
2: important that the audience know right now that we are not in the same room yeah <laughs> and we can't, and we're actually looking at each other right now going I think uh, that we
1: fundamentally believe <laughs> in what is possible with our business and right and uh i I don't I don't know, I think that
2: our motivations aren't always the same as sometimes they are, right, and at the end of the day, somehow we come together to create something, and as we're. Yeah.
0: Well, we we talked. We were talking before we hit record about how messy the creative process is, and that's a part of it. It's a lot more stressful, messy, chaotic, neurotic, especially neurotic than people want to believe.
2: Absolutely. I like to say it's not linear. It's a heat map, and at the same time, as Jim pointed <laughs> out to me the other day, it's like completely linear. Like I'm asking how we did this, but not this, or why right. this happened without right. this happening. He's like, you realize you're asking people. Why they aren't being more linear, and then you're telling them it's a heat map, but it's like a totally a heat map. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just have to be linear in between the jumping points. That's a great Uh point.
0: Not only that, we're asking folks to be creative, but we're asking them to somehow fit some kind of a paradigm for that, as if some or control control that to some degree when it's quite messy. Let let me let me get into this booth. So walking in the front door, I'm going to tell you guys, and you're both going to roll your eyes. Just be patient with me. Um, I was one of many that walked into your booth and and said some kind of superlative, some gasping moment came from them. I walked in and I'm going to tell you why I thought it, but the first word that came to my mind, don't roll your eyes, is breathtaking, but here's why. Breathtaking because I felt like this is what it should be like. This is what the experience should be like. Not because you guys had set up some kind of iconoclastic thing, which you would hate that word. That's got to be on the list, iconoclastic um
2: you know i don't know oh you
0: like that one okay good we'll keep that want to pause on that well Well, and and i don't want to
2: argue with breathtaking either i think that at the end of the day if we sat around and said what would you like to accomplish with this booth it would be i want to take people's breath away um and that's certainly more tactful that everybody walked in and screamed how much did this cost?
1: Because and- <laughs> we got oh, a lot yeah. of that. Going from yeah. that, I would say iconoclastic kind of would be the exact word that we would be looking for.
0: Perfect. All right, great. I'm glad I did. I'm glad I used the right word that, because that's truly what happened. You guys had. A series of statements. And the reason why it was so breathtaking to me is because I read the signs before I walked in. I didn't just walk in the booth. So I understood the philosophy. I, I think I intuited it anyways before I read the the, the the material. Walking the front door of your home slash booth, you had a series. I'm going to call an experience, unless that's a word we want to outlaw. That you had a series of statements that I think the first part of the statement is the most sublime definition of sustainability that anyone has ever come up with for our industry. The statement was framed on the entryway to your booth. And it said this, we believe in making things that are useful, not merely for the sake of manufacturing, but for the purpose of the items we create being used, being passed on, bringing value to the people who own them. Our industry doesn't have to be trash. Data shows that 69% of consumers would pick up a promotional product if they deemed it useful. Why not make only useful things? You won't find any fidget spinners here, friends. When products last longer than a single use or a day, they move into the home and become a part of the fabric of our lives. The really good ones earn a place not only in our homes, but in our hearts. Driven by the idea, everyone be patient with me, we're almost done. Driven by the idea that promotional products can tell the story and create more than a single use experience, we are here To push the industry forward out of the habit of quick, often sloppy goods into the era of suppliers coming to market with actual goods that fulfill the need for both function and form. Some say it's irrational. That's my favorite part in the line, by the way. (laughs)
1: Um,
0: Melissa, I love how you created context for all of your products. So you trained the industry not to just think about stylistic design, but purpose and function. And it's subtle. But what you did with your design reminded us that these products, when viewed in a beautiful context of how and where they're used, can bring meaning to the user. And I especially loved how – by the way, I'm going to pause and give you a chance to reflect on this. Where did this philosophy come from?
2: So, oh, man, I could do a – podcast on this topic yeah. alone, just based on the fact that when I was a distributor, yeah. <laughs> Jim's favorite words, he's rolling <laughs> he a right now. Um, I had a hard time. I know what my struggles were uh, besides the fact that my purchase orders didn't have commas in them. my <laughs> I seem to believe that that was maybe someone else's fault. Mm. Um, and not to place blame, but I felt like there wasn't a whole lot I could sell. This purple thing didn't match this purple thing. That even within the same suppliers, the the purple things they were buying didn't match yeah. each other. And I'm just like, well, and and maybe customers would have bought that. And I needed to overlook some of that, anyways. Long story short, on the whole, when I came to work at Numo, I I told Jim this was one of maybe three suppliers I would actually ever even consider working at because I didn't feel like it was trash. And at that time, sure, there might've been a little, we need to clean some things up, but I see what this looks like in what, I mean, I've been here now six years. I, I see what this looks like in five, six years. And um, I mean, everybody already loves pneumo. They just don't even know it yet. And that was a quote from my interview, literally (sighs) that, I I find myself at the juxtaposition now of like what's pretty and what makes sense. And kind of given in the years past, we've always agreed that our product, like we internally, that our products are useful and that, yes, you can take and use this and it's highly customizable. So even the the person creating this product to give to an end user it's more valuable to them because it's a little more custom than what somebody can pull yeah. off of a shelf. And while I think over the last couple of years, we've been able to show the yeah. prettiness of it. um, While some see the function in some things, there was this time that I just wanted to spell right. it out for right. everyone, knowing that they wouldn't read that. A lot of people wouldn't read this stuff. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Words, words, right. words, right. What's yeah. And so, <laughs> So I just wanted to be able to at least stake claim on the fact that if you do this right, all of that value will be there. And the industry, air quotes, taunts this whole, you know, be it ASI or PPAI, love you both but they want to tell everybody what this ROI is on promotional products and how it's so much more effective than radio and billboard Mm -hmm. and blah, blah, blah. Right. And, and that it's got a larger cost per or smaller cost, whatever Mm -hmm. cost per impression value. Um, and, and while I believe that all of those things are true, if someone's actually wearing a t-shirt that promotes something walking around, we always say that what is the ROI of something that's in the trash? It's negative dollars. I mean, I think we put zero on the actual thing, but it's negative money. It's somebody spent money on someone throwing that in the trash. And I think a lot of us that are in this industry that don't love promotional products necessarily, like we don't walk around trade shows collecting things because we either A, don't need it, it's not useful, it's not. I am someone who has been at a function for Dribble and another like agency in town that, I grabbed a black matte finish pencil with a pink eraser that I have on my desk to this day. And I'm like, I love this item. Right. It might've been the inspiration behind some hell bent thing. I went on about us getting pencils and it being the best yeah. damn pencil and not having a feral and how are we going to do a pencil differently? And, and I have a yo-yo from the same event. And I'm just like, the yo-yo is like right. the original <laughs> fidget spinner. Right. Except that dude, it, I don't know. I think that if you make things that bring value to some people, be it art, be it function, um, and in the really powerful instance of it being both, then yes, you do create something that people will Keeping their desk or in their kitchen or whatever statistic tells us to put it where for the most I love how the products you
0: sold in the booth featuring in the booth were virtually indistinguishable from household furnishings and decor in fact they were part of the decor so you exemplify Dieter Ram's 10 principles of good design some call it 10, 10 commandments of good design one in particular good design is unobtrusive so what I loved how you did was we often don't think beyond the product. We don't think where the product's going to live. We don't think someone that someone will find joy in this product. We're just thinking in terms of advertising effect only.
2: Right. So I actually had never heard of, um, this 10 commandments of good design and I looked it up and thought it was pretty cool. Um, and that I think I'm going to use that now as a checklist for everything that we create. Um, and part of the, you know, planning out this house was thinking about things in a way of if someone was was given this. I it's very <laughs> trying to explain it now by way of like, it's yeah. kind of like Jim, duh. Um, if your kid has been given this bag for his soccer team or whatever, isn't it likely that his or her soccer slides would be in that little uh piggyback tote and hanging right in the entryway so that you can grab them next time you're running out the door or whatever. It's all so real um, in how promotional products could be used. And I think one of the biggest mistakes that we make as an industry um, is fit to max imprint area. Um, And just because you can, doesn't mean you should, you know, it's, it's one of those things where Will a person use this item yeah. if you make them a moving billboard for something? And these are all things just to consider. Hey, if it's a a team sport that you I get it, not everybody wants to have so-and-so's car wash on their um right. backpack or their whatever, it just kind of it different strokes for different folks. But I think at the the bare minimum we as suppliers or Numo as a supplier. I'm going to speak for everyone else, but we should at least create something that looks um, attractive to people. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, beautiful and useful, absolutely. Jim, Jim, what are your thoughts on on the philosophy that you guys had all over the? Did, did people comment on the the things you had framed all over the the house?
1: Yes. <laughs> you know, I I I think I, I I think everything Mel said and I think what the the what was framed and what you read sums up our concept far better than I could, right? With the exception yeah. of the industry bit. I you know, I don't think we're not beholden to the industry. This is what what we believe and you commented about what while Mel and I disagree about many, many things at our core is exactly what we did in that trade show booth. And, and Mel says, duh. Right. And, and that's kind of where I am on it all. I, I, I have such a hard time with people wanting to understand the why behind it, it, you know, and I, I've said it before, right. It's make cool shit. That's, that's the only thing that we as a business are, are required to do yeah. is to make compelling products that make good sense that, that from a competitive standpoint, we're not there trying to have a better salesperson, have a better relationship, be a scratch golfer, be yeah. able to win some <laughs> trip, be able to compete, to win a trip to Costa Rica. Right? Right. At, right. At its, at its core, we're just trying to solve a problem for an end user.
0: Yeah, it also seems we like, need to solve
1: that problem better than everyone else, and I think we do. Yeah. And uh, anyway, I don't know. Sorry. And yeah, I no, know. I'll going. add on to that too.
2: That um, Jim is like Jim, and this this is happens in terms he is not a why person. And when I think about like as a child, I was such a why why mama why yeah. you know here, here's a person a homeless person and whatever and I'm like why well mostly they don't have a job why. Well, this, why, you know, and so sometimes I feel the need to explain some of what we do. And I don't, we don't owe that to anyone. We don't have to tell the industry why we do what we do, or we don't. It's just that this time I knew it was going to be so over the top that when people came in and asked why or told us we were rational or crazy, I just wanted to be able to point to the wall and be like, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and it's, we have an email address that we send our emails to. And the moment we decided to start sending email blasts again, um, which was probably some of another irrational thought, but we were like, "What?" we say this is why a lot, you know, in regards yeah. to anything, in regard to anything. This is why, this is why. and. <laughs> So, we made our email that we send email blast from this is why at com And I think it was supposed to be temporary and it got stuck or whatever, but we find ourselves saying that a lot. And I think one of the posters said that yeah. this is why, yeah. you know, and we just, I guess, to explain ourselves, even though we don't have to explain ourselves. And Jim and I agree to disagree on some of that by way of, you know, I think if we can help people understand that it might be a little lost on them what we're doing and they would like to understand it, then I would like to tell them why, if that makes
1: sense. Um, So I think that what we do is the the gap between what you would perceive as, I don't want to say, how do I say this the right way? The gap between 95% and where we are is far more vast than the gap between 95% and 90%. And I think our message is so much more nuanced and subtle. Yeah. That, that I think that's so. My issue that I have with writing it all down and spelling it all out is that, yeah, is that, you know, I, I for, for what purpose, right? And, right. and I, you know, I don't want to get all crazy about all of this, but it's the, this concept of, 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 I don't understand. I don't, I don't understand it, but I love it. And yeah. That, yeah. that, that, that yeah. is what, from my standpoint, you know, Mel and I, we do this, this having to explain everything and having to explain everything. And I think that difficulty right. we do it with our employees all the time, right? Trying to get them aligned with where we're wanting to go. And, and right. you can, you can, you can write all of the verbiage that you want at a certain point in time, you have to feel it. Right. Yeah. And, yep. and I think that that, that explanation in my mind, oftentimes discounts the power of what the message is, right? A picture is worth a thousand right. words. So, so totally. we don't need a thousand words.
0: You demonstrate It's almost as if you, by your booth, you demonstrated your philosophy in a word picture. And in, in a funny way, it's like, it was like an education session on its own. That's what I, I mean, I, that is not even to demean it. I hope you don't mean that. I hope you don't take it that way. It was almost like an educational experience for everyone
1: Is it not ironic that our trade organizations spend all this money lobbying and don't spend money explaining that concept?
0: The concept of – Utility. Usefulness and beautifulness and the utility of beautiful things. Right. uh, Which which creates a sustainable product, which creates a sustainable industry, which creates a sustainable lifestyle that you want to live. Yeah.
1: It's far more nuanced. (laughs) It's right. far more nuanced and far more, sleep and better and far more than difficult, for sure. right? But
0: I just – It's far more different. Yeah.
1: Anyway.
0: Let me ask this. You know, I, you guys are – you're preaching to the choir here when you, you – this next thing you had pinned up on a wall. I've often said the laziest question in our business is what's new. And the only correct one is what works. And on the entry to the house, you publish this as well. The setup is meant for you to explore, think, challenge yourself, and to not ask what's new. That's got to be the worst thing you can hear when you're constantly cranking out mm-hmm. items all the time, especially with you, the way you're doing it.
2: I'm Totally. And I get it. I'm so hypocritical on that one. I think that I I would walk into someone's booth tomorrow and ask what's new. I would get nervous, <laughs> not know what to say, not remember the person's name who I'm supposed to know the name of yeah. or something, not even remember which booth I'm standing go and go, uh, what's new? Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, so I get it. And at the same time, you know, people's time is finite. Right.
0: Yeah.
2: You get about 20. We used to say you get about 20 seconds in the booth. Well, now we've learned from our little thing. You get about six or seven minutes. Um, but there, some people are just looking to, yeah, I know everything about, I think the problem with, yeah, people in pneumo is that you have people who knew, who knows everything. Everything about us and all our capabilities and how many thread colors we have and what you can and can't change and and then you have people who go, are y'all new? (laughs) (laughs) Who 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 is this? Well, I thought Numo made can holders, you know, and we're finally starting to get past that a little bit. And you know, I saw the other day someone said in the the like terrible place that I shouldn't hang out on that Facebook group, (laughs) get in trouble there. But um, I saw someone say I had never heard of Numo. Until this post, and I was just like, I, I'm glad that she learned of Numo, and I, at the same time, I have to ask myself if you're in this industry right now and you don't know who Numo is, I think that's a problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, and maybe they only sell apparel, or maybe whatever. Um, but this whole like, I I think we have to challenge ourselves in not just finding out what's new that people do, but what's old as hell That's that people badass. do that yeah. you never knew. Cause you weren't right. paying attention when they weren't as pretty as they were now or when it wasn't as self-explanatory right. because while we may be pretty and we may have this house going on, you can walk in there and see what's there and yeah. remember it all because of how beautiful the house was, but you ain't going to remember what right. wasn't there that was yeah. in the last booth or whatever. Um, and another thing, like going back to some of the posters that were on the wall when, when we were, Kind of shooting back and forth what some of these posters might would say that would hang in the house, how this kind of poster concept once we framed it into a more we often start with like meaner uglier things to say, <laughs> and then we figure out how to right. make it presentable um, honestly because right. we're real and some of the things since this is you know off the record right. stuff okay. we're talking about. You know, distributors come to us sometimes and say that they lost this order because of this or this or that, and and there are these moments of me wanting to say, like, well, I know it's probably our fault that you didn't know we had this item, but um, <laughs> but sometimes you lose customers because maybe you weren't doing the best job or you didn't look better than yeah. this other distributor who takes pride in their self promos or who does this or this or that. And I, I think what we were calling for in this booth outside of like, then to make people realize the function of products in homes, if they actually go to live there was to just ask yeah. for better yeah. from Absolutely. everyone. Like it's not my job to change right. the industry, but I do believe that I want to work in a place that I don't feel yeah. is trash. Numo right. is not trash. The industry you know, I don't want to be the person who says I'm a little, let's hear your elevator no, no, speech, Bobby. Yeah. Are you a podcast technology no. person or do you work in the promotional no. products industry? And the the only way it's going to get any better is to be a part of changing it. And, and whether I change the industry or not, I'm going to make the place that I work at. Beautiful and something I'm proud of, and something I'm proud to be a part of. Whether the industry sucks or not, this goes back to both of you.
0: You have this inherent philosophy in both of you that you're building products and things you want to be proud of yourself personally, and by doing so, that does elevate the industry. But your purpose is not to elevate the industry. Your purpose is actually to build things that you're proud of, to do creative work that you're proud of, and that's so evident in the work that you do. Second thing I want to mention, with Mel, you you do this, Jim, you do this, but. Every product is a canvas for an opportunity. So there's one artist that says, make subject matter the first thing you see, then stop seeing it because there's so many possibilities with that particular product that's why the what's new what's new question is such a we, we get it it's an easy question to ask it's a fast question like you said because they're out of time it's an easy language handle for us to grasp because we can't think what to say right but it, it really is about seeing a product that we sell as content as an opportunity for art and you guys have built this beautiful experience at the cross-section of art and commerce um, let me ask you before we go into any other questions Jim was there anything else you wanted to comment on from what we've said before I move on to my next question because I want to make sure I give us all <laughs> space to say something
1: you know so I think it's interesting uh, the, I was at I was at the museum with my daughter and uh mm-hmm. I forget the name you know I'm not yeah, it was the a
0: Dallas D- one. It was a yeah. DNA. Oh, well, and one.
1: I don't, you know, I'm sure you know the yeah. artist. I don't, she knows. I mean, she's into all that crap, right? And I am too, whatever. But, but <laughs> we're sitting there in the security <laughs> guard and we're looking at this, at this modern, I don't even know what, what the type of, anyway. And it's, it, it's gorgeous. It's this huge, large format painting and it's very, very simple. And I'm just, I'm, I'm stricken by it, right? And we're looking there and the security guard starts talking to my daughter and, and he's like, you could do that. And she could, right? And so we went to the next thing and we're just looking at it and 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 I, I'm the I'm the ugly coarse whatever, right? I don't get anything. And he and he tells my daughter again, you could do that. And she's like, and she looks at him finally and she says, Yeah, but you just have to think of it. Hmm. <laughs> and and I think
2: and she's, she was like yeah. nine at and the I time. And I think
1: that yeah. in, in all of this, when I'm saying duh, it's – and I think even down to our products and, and what we do, it is it – is, we want to have the most – the simplest, most easy to understand stuff that just fits, Right. You just have to, and anyway, that's that's yeah, my whole yeah. from from the whole thing. And I think as Mel and I struggle with how we describe what it is that we did and, and this and that. It's like, yeah, you just have to think yeah. of it, right? And
2: well, and I'll comment on this on Jim's part too. Like, not well, it. When I say that some of our uh, motivations are dif- at, there is no doubt that at the end of the day, everybody here that works on. My team, especially, and Jim, like, yeah, we do want to make good things we are proud of, but at the end of the day, this is a business and we, it's not lost on us that we would also like to
1: generate revenue. Hell yeah. Um, Yeah.
2: And so, (laughs) right. And so like, as we sit here and go like, oh yeah, we just make it all pretty and it I like doing both of those things. Yeah. Um, and just so everybody knows too, I feel it's an important time to announce that my background is in accounting.
0: Wow. And so anyone who <laughs> out there might be thinking that I've gone to some wow. creative
2: arts school and knows, right. Uh, I went to my school mind. for accounting. That just blew my mind. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so sometimes I think people think like, oh, she's just this naturally talented person. Gosh, I'm that person in high school where if I wasn't studying all night, I was going to fail the test, but somehow still got good grades. The same applies now. Yeah, I am up all night figuring this stuff out. It is not.
0: On this point, this your Mel, you're getting into something really good that I want you to, just, I want you to keep talking about this, but I have a question for you that's related to what you just said. So we, so far, we've been talking about creativity and the creative process and how ambiguous some of this is, how it's really hard to define, but you feel it you in your gut. It's intuitive. One of the challenges we have when we see an experience like what you built is we think creativity is spontaneous. So we, but, but uh, you guys are going to bear with me, but one writer wrote it this way, that spontaneity is this impression like Jim at the art museum, seeing that piece of art. Spontaneity is this impression which the work conveys, but does it doesn't mean you can achieve the result by spontaneity. In most cases, it's only a lot of hard fucking work and perspiration and sweat that allows you to arrive at the most satisfying and apparently spontaneous solution. We got to walk into the booth and have this spontaneous experience where you thought, my God, look at this piece of art. And whereas you, which is what you're about to get into, Mel, and I have a question about this. Last year in November, I don't know if you remember this, I stayed at your Airbnb in the Bishop Arts area of Dallas. You showed me the plans you were working on for last year's booth. You gave me a sneak peek and it was fascinating. As this multi-page spreadsheet. It was some kind of software program. I was blown away by how much work had gone into it. It was very intense. When did you start working on this project for 2020 and what was that process like going from concept to completion? <laughs>
2: Um, so did we cover yet that Jim and I are enablers of each other? (laughs) Go ahead. Sometimes we like to see how far we can take a joke, uh, like (laughs) lobbying back and forth until it kind of becomes a reality. (laughs) And that didn't come by way of, I remember, I remember my first booth at Numo and, you know. Again, when I came to work at Numo, it was, "Oh, yeah, I can totally sell this stuff as I was hired as a salesperson. I can totally sell this stuff. I just need to fix some of it first, and <laughs> Lord knows what
0: that
2: turned out to look like, but like um some of some of these first ones, it was like oh we were we were using what we had already, and we were just kind of making it look better. It wasn't coming at any extra um expense or mm-hmm. we're not going to talk about money, but right. um I I think some of the proof in the pudding was originally showing Jim, oh my gosh, look how much better this can look with using the resources we already have. This isn't, this is, you know, booth number one, two, and three that we started working on to where I think one of the things Jim said too in my interview or shortly after I come to work here was that, oh, I don't think we'll ever have, we'll never not do our own booths, which is funny because we do still do our own booths, but by way of needing help with things like labor and this and that What's become like, um, and, and it took, once we started executing a better plan and what this could look like, it just started compounding on top of each other. And it's, we could do this and we could do this. And all of a sudden it grew into this thing of like, yeah, every year it's a contest with ourselves. Um,
1: yeah.
2: And when we start, to get back to the original question, um, Jim, feel free to interrupt me if I'm saying bad things. (laughs) But um, when we started this year's booth, um, we were going to just kind of go with a similar format um, of what we did last year, which what we did last year, you know, the big draw was, dare I say it, but the note. Book bar right. <laughs> um, was kind of in the notebook bar portion of that came at the last minute, um, and we had to figure out how to throw it in there. I mean, yes, we overnighted to the show floor the paper that it took to do that, which any suppliers on this understand what that means and how much paper weighs. And there were 200,000 sheets. So, anyway, the the concept of last year's booth was to have all these individual brands, kind of like from our lookbook, these fake brands that were like, here's how our product looks in an ice cream shop. Here's how our product looks for a skateboarding brand or whatever, because that had come from being so tight. It's funny. My first booth here, um, you know, nothing matched. And it was kind of just like, here's an example of everything we could do, which kind of make it an eyesore to look at. But then following that, I was like, let's show everything matchy matchy. And in these pretty colors that'll grab people's attention. So great. Everybody loves our pretty colors. Now they want to step in the booth and say, that's great. My clients are corporate. Right. Okay, good. It comes in red. We grabbed your attention with this pink color or mm-hmm. something that people are attracted to, but now they can't figure out how to sell it because they don't realize it comes in 54 colors or <sighs> that if it was all gray and black, like it was the year before, we'd be boring. right? So it, it's constantly this juxtaposition of what... So So last year's booth was, we're going to make these individual brands and kind of corner everything off where it's, here's your PR agency, yeah. here's your bank. Here's your this, here's your that. Here look at how this works in the real right. world. Um, and which was very successful. People loved that. It was fun to watch different Instagrams pop up of, you know, you could tell whose niche, 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 however right. you say it, markets for what. You know, you've got the the San Diego people posting all this beer brewery right. stuff. And then you've got anyway. So I felt like Lasher's boots told a really good story for for what it was um, and was that and how a precursor, to look at some so of those
0: you created items. context with these items last year would that that sounds like it was a precursor to this big experience this year
2: right and so as we this year's booth was just going to be another version of last year's booth that might have been different colors had different types of cutouts and just kind of the same concept that was the original plan because we had a lot going on um and then we um we I have a friend in the trade show industry that did a house concept, very different concept, but similar premise. Where uh, we said, Jim goes, Let's build a house. And I was like, Okay, <laughs> of course, we'd love to do that. Right. Like, it, and we just start going off on each other about like and it's kind of like yeah and the playroom could have this and this and that and the we could have oh the bar cart that could have the our glassware and, and we just keep going back and forth at this
0: point right at this point yeah, right, yeah. Or
2: it's, it's like and then at the end of the conversation it's like no but really
1: <laughs> and it's
2: like okay Let's start to wrap our heads around how, and, and so then what becomes, let's build a a house as we've already, our booth used to be a 20 by mm-hmm. 80 or it was originally a 20 by 50. Then we went up to a 20 by 80, you know, we started having all these crafting experiences in the booth and, um, build your own and all of that. And so last year, we, the last two booths have been very hard to finish at any reasonable time. So we're like, you know what, let's go back to the 20 by 50 and really pack a punch in that amount of space and not have to, it'll still look good. It just won't be as much space and we won't be as spread thin over trying to get it put together. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did just that. We went back down to a 20 by 50 and that was going to be all fine and good till we decided we wanted to build a house on it <laughs> um, and started to go. Well, crap, we don't have enough room. Like we don't have enough room to build a house that's 20 by yeah. 50. And then it's like, well, yeah, we do because we can just build a rooftop deck with a pool and a yoga studio. Mm. And a. at this point, it's all still
1: jokes, <laughs> right? And then,
2: <laughs> then we start putting the pen to paper and amateur sketch. And I've got where the pool can go and how, you know, how we're going to shelter ourselves, like build enough of a, Pergola, I guess you call it, or whatever, to shelter ourselves from the Kmart lighting that is the trade show lighting, so that our twinkle lights can shine. And all of this crazy stuff becomes like it's almost like you convince yourself of it and you do enough that you're like, well, we can't turn around now. And by the way, this was in October.
0: Oh (laughs) my God, October. Yep. Wow.
2: So, So, to answer the original question, Did we start working on the booth long before October and have a plan in place and we're just ready to start executing some of the sketch up drawings that we had already done? Yes, we absolutely were. We planned in advance, but then we got a better idea. (laughs) And that is often how it happens. Mm, Why we find ourselves working at the last hour is because we got a better idea and we can't sleep at night over it.
0: Was there between you two, was there disagreements where you ended up or you, you started with joking with each other? Um, well,
2: yeah. And, I told Jim Hell no, I would say, that he was out of his mind. I would say no, there was no <laughs> was disagreement like, oh, at I all. Don't... Once we
1: put our mind to something, we it, it, it is. And, and, and again, I come back to yeah. duh, why would you not do that? Yeah.
2: And I just knew Jim was going to push back on like the, okay, Mel, let's do the house, but do we really have to have a rooftop deck with a pool? And then For, and yeah. I think, it's, it's been over these last five years that every time we do something, it just gets better and better that he doesn't, th- there used to be some things that Jim told me no on. He just doesn't tell me no anymore. And almost to the point where I'm like, please tell me no, <laughs> like for my own health. Please, <laughs> no, it's put the pool up it's, there. Put, you, why would we not have not a hear.
0: You know, I've, I'm like, learning from you guys is that what a lot of people ask why through the creative process and you guys ask always seem to always be asking the question, why not? Right. Why not?
2: It. Yes. So someone did ask Jim, like, why would you, another supplier, like, how, supplier, why,
0: right,
2: okay, right what, you know, and I'm sure it's some of the same things you would like to address on, like, why would you do this? And Jim's answer was, why would we not?
1: Why would you have this idea and, and this concept of the most beautiful way to show your stuff and 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 then choose to set up, to use Mark Graham's term, the science fair booth? I mean I don't that's a, it. duh and 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 to your earlier point about it being how how difficult it is it, it, it that comes back. it is incredibly difficult and yeah it's and difficult
2: it is, to do a shitty boot this is and it 5 costs years a lot 6
1: years to- of of building trust and 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 right. getting better right. you don't you don't wake up one day and decide you're going to do that what we did. And then just go do it. It is building on top. It And, yeah. and every, everything we Good do point. in our business is the same. If you look at the arc of our product development, yeah. it begins with something very crude. Yeah. And then three years down the road, it's, holy crap, look at what it is that it looks like now, right? Yeah. And I think that is- and
2: some of this is like, you get one shot. You get yeah. one shot.
1: But but to a great point that your ecosystem, it's like, this.
0: it's an iterative process altogether. This sort of melds. Jim, to your point then, on this subject, many folks are shuttering their exhibits, they're choosing to network they're voiding the shows but you've doubled down like more so more so probably this was a significant investment and a growing investment for Numo. is each year you seem to raise the standard for yourselves first um and and then everyone else exhibiting not just in exhibit style but product development as well so (sighs) i I'm I'm not going to ask the the R, ROI question <laughs> that's burning atop of everyone's minds because honestly I feel like to do so is to demean the hard work that you've done over the past five years. It seems as though. It's a natural evolution of your entire creative process. When people want to know the ROI question, I think they want it from two angles. Number one, it's a legitimate question about how much is the ROI for booths today? Because that people are asking that. I had the president of a very large distributor, one of the largest distributors, sit over across from me at lunch and say, what are people getting out of these shows? I don't get it. Um, and then on the second hand, you have folks that want to ask the ROI question honestly because they want to dismiss it. They want to disprove or prove that you were wrong, that that vast experience that you built that kept people in the booth 10 times or 20 times longer than they could didn't work.
2: I think the big question is, is it worth it? Right. Okay. Right. Jen? Is it worth it?
1: Okay. So, so, um, the, the, the actual question that one of uh, a supplier asked me and it wasn't a, is how can you afford to do this? And my, and my response was, how can I afford not to? What do you mean? So, if so first of all as a real, your, your comment about networking and this and that one uh, at, at my core and I think Melissa agrees with this uh, our responsibility is is to create relationships with our product it is not to create relationships with people and mm. and I that is people wow. buy our product yeah. they don't buy the relationship that they have with someone and and that is Bubbles underneath the surface of everything that we do
2: <laughs> I was going to throw in you know we were we were joking earlier about born from our incompetence of we learned a long time ago that salespeople in every state yeah in our experience bor- again I'm born what? from our incompetence we you know we're we're smart but we're real dumb, and so <laughs> w- Thinking about okay, so we hire a salesperson, right? Mm-hmm. And they go in, and we say, you know, what do you do? How do you, how do you go visit a customer and so Because I know what a I know what a sales call looks like if I make it or Jim like makes it, and it's real, real, and great, you know. And he, it, this person said, well, you know, first of all, I go in ask asking if there's any orders on their desk. I could take off. I'm just like, no, oh no, no, no. That's see, that's not us. And and that that people believe that their relationship with someone. Saying, "Can I see what POs are sitting on your desk to yeah. decide which ones of them that you can place through us?" is not sustainable. It's not scalable. Right. It's not. It, it, it is not what we want the connection with Numo to be. We want Numo products to be sold because, you. Know, sure, we've got some similar products to other people out there, but mm. you you might not always can get your thread color or your zipper color or whatever makes it. We right. want the connection to be with the product. <laughs> I don't, you know what I want? If somebody I'm like cilantro, right? You either love me or hate me. There's no in between. <laughs> somebody right. in this industry that is a distributor that hates me has to come buy a product from Numo because their customer has asked for it by name and they have no other option. And that is the beauty of having a relationship with the product. And you know, Employing a Mm, salesperson in every state would cost us far more Uh, than our booth. And we wouldn't be able to, when I say control that person, we wouldn't know. I
1: think that's the real point, right? Is is that. Is that, is that we spend a lot of money on a trade show booth. We used to attend every ASI trade show. We used to attend uh, the SAC show. We used to meetings. go to Expo East. We used to do all of these things. And what we have learned is that is that us making an impact um, outsize in January in Las Vegas mm. generates the sort of interest in our products that make, it very much worth it. And what's ironic about that from a competitive standpoint is that is that those that have the burden of a Salesforce, and I'm not knocking a Salesforce, it doesn't line up well with what we do. That's not how we're set up. Yeah. But those yeah. that have a Salesforce look at what we would do as an incremental increase to their budget, right? And we're looking at it from a, it is our budget. And and it that is our a-
2: budget and it's a strength it's something we're good at that we can capitalize on we're good at building booths we're not good at controlling people and understanding who they're taking to lunch or playing golf with that costs yeah. us money as well and has no return when that person leaves this place or whatever it's
1: print you know yeah. I, yeah. it it trade shows may be maybe dying but somehow people still show up Every year, right? And people want to see what it is, the sloppy question, what is new? They want to experience something. And when they show up and see the same exact booth that was set yeah. up for the same exact suppliers, it's its like it is so – and it's incredibly difficult, don't get me wrong, but it is so yeah. easy yeah. to set oneself apart when you know it's the same and, every year. And then-
2: Where Where you see money being spent that you can tell something is expensive just by, if if you do trade shows, you know how much a hanging sign costs. So then you see a booth that's about, uh, I mean, a million square feet with a hanging sign for every 20 feet of their booth. And you're going, oh my gosh, they have invested as much in hanging signage as our entire plot on the floor. And so I would ask those people about ROI and like, how does your hanging sign? I mean,
1: are people finding? Are they? Are you generating revenue as a result of your hanging sign? Right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> the ROI question works both ways. You're right, works both ways. You, you, you guys, Numos, developed the closest to a cult like following that I have seen in this business that only a handful of people have really achieved. Like, you, you really are an anomaly. So. You've, you've talked about this in this relationship-driven business. You don't have reps in the field, and yet people love Numo. It it's, we've, we've, seems like we've got it backwards. Developing on-trend or creating trends with stylistic product plus progressive design capabilities is superior to just cranking out product and hiring people to shill it. Is That, that basically is what you're saying. Yes.
1: And it's far more difficult to do it that way.
2: And I yeah. think that that is a result That is the ROI. I mean, that is the you want a dollar amount of ROI? Don't have it. You want to know what it's like to people to be loyal to you, buy your product, and have a cult like following. And, well, look, I don't know. Can you put a value on that?
1: Yeah. we've got a few we've got a few people that sew for us, and our business is such that we actually make everything that we 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 sell not everything by and large the bulk of it and and when you're sitting at looking at what it is that how you want to go to market and how you're going to um um uh, be accountable to your stakeholders your your vendors your customers your employees right it and and you sit and you figure what are you going to go do right and and we have to make things because we 're very expensive because we actually make stuff we mm-hmm. make stuff in north america we don't in, in and you have to make the products you make have to be compelling enough for people to want them. And then you have to be able yeah. to, to communicate what is very different and complicated and difficult about your line that, that, and so you have to be able to, to, to sell that to someone experientially. Right. So that there, yeah, it, right. It, if, if you have a beautiful booth and you put crap ass products in it, it doesn't work. Right, if you have yeah. these beautiful products, and one of the things that Mel brings to the table that that she understands so perfectly about our business is the potential of what it is that we make, and how do you present that yeah. so that someone can see and understand it and believe in it right and right. And a salesperson right. does not get that right they yeah. just don't
0: It's as if you built this experience for the end user. What happens with distributors a lot of times is we go to market like a supplier. So a supplier um, will just vomit new items out in a catalog out to new people and the distributor will turn around and they'll do the same thing to their market. And that's called spam because what a when a distributor, when a client comes to a distributor, there's a purpose. There's always a purpose for this product. And yet they don't do that translation work, which is what you did. You put the product in context. You showed that it was beautiful. You showed creative design, subtle design. So in many ways... It was like a show that easily could have been done demonstrating to distributors how a show could be done for, even for end users to put products in context, to give it purpose, to give it meaning. Um, what advice would you have for distributors working with their end users based on what you well, guys have learned?
2: Based on what we've been told as suppliers is that the distributors add the value, right? Mm-hmm. So why do they need us to?
0: Go ahead. Keep going. I won't won't (laughs) stop you.
2: No, it's just that, it's just that we actually understand that you can't do these things alone and that a distributor's mercy, I mean, a distributor is at the mercy of a supplier. So if we're talented in this arena, why shouldn't we? And understanding at the same time that the whole reason a distributor exists is because they're going to go do all that creative part. And so, you know what we say, if we can just do the creative part too, it's just, that's fine. It just will get get us to to the end that much faster.
0: Yeah, it gets to itself faster. Right.
2: Right. And we'll send, no matter where the end user decides if they want this product with this colored stitching or this color zipper well it sends them back to us unless they have 30 to 90 days to wait for it to come from china yeah. um just because yeah we're also an anomaly in that we sew things and make things and i think there's a lot of things that impact the whole cult-like following for one reason or another And i think different people um would define that reason differently but the whole and we are more expensive. And we have to stand behind what makes these things more expensive. And just because Walmart is cheaper than Target does not mean I'm about to go there.
1: In yeah. our in our case, and- we have better stuff than other people. The value is there, right? It's it's the same it's an age old question. Why would someone slap a logo on something cheap? I don't get it. It's your brand. And and whoever's buying that stuff, it is it is why do you it it it's I don't know, I don't get it. And, a and to the relationship and
2: I think when distributors, yeah, as they see us doing that, they place value on that be it goodwill, respect, some intangible thing that you can't put a value on is appreciating it, appreciating yeah. what we're doing for them, and then at the same time it 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 helps them, you know, we right. produce imagery and great things that they can reuse and um people it, i i am behooved by the fact that people are st- end users are starting to ask for Numo products by name yeah. and that is it's like when i used to ask for an appare- american apparel shirt right we're ordering shirts for something can we please get american apparel and to think that someone is asking for that as an end user oh we want the Numo pin or we want this or we want that it's that is the goal
0: you heard my response. I'm sure you heard all the superlatives, many of the same comments. We love your booth. Beautiful, stunning. I told you my response was breathtaking. Again, not not because I'm prone to hyperbole. I am, but because I read the philosophy before I walked in. So it embodied your entire belief. What responses did you get from customers? And what about responses from competitors or suppliers and any negative responses?
2: So... I. I I love this because it wouldn't be like me to not be somewhat cynical, mm-hmm. at, l- at least a little bit in this um, little chat we're having. Um, and I think I've been pretty positive. You've so. been
0: surprisingly, shockingly positive. Go ahead, Mel.
2: Pat self on back now. Okay. <laughs> Do you walk in someone's house and ask how much it costs? <laughs> <laughs> Do you walk in someone's house and take stuff out of the refrigerator? Good point. So let's let's have a little manners conversation here. <laughs> While many people walked in and his breath were taking taken uh, yeah. away, there was a whole nother group of people that wanted to steal things. Um, I, I
0: did lounge I did I did lounge on your couch for an hour. Oh the, the, I no I
2: mean just because you're come waiting to our, for our us. home and chill okay. and
0: uh <laughs> right, <it was. laughs>
2: Shout out to the girl who looked Jim in the eye and said, uh, it is noon and opens the refrigerator and proceeds to drink the beer. <laughs> um, okay. so there, there is a little bit of a, a if you give a mouse a cookie concept mm-hmm. yeah. and okay. I, we, we always want to do these great things. And then we're like, why do we do that again? Again, for anyone who knows about the notebooks, um, <laughs> we have the letter we actually sent to everyone, mm-hmm. um, that was nice and tactful, and then we have the one that's hanging in our office oh, in a large format to print to remind that. us of why we will never do yeah. something like that okay. again, and we probably will, right. let's be yeah. honest. Like, yeah. uh, but between the fist fights that almost happened and having to shut the pin bar down a couple of times <laughs> to reorganize it again, this is last year's, right. but but. We've learned a little bit about if you give a mouse a cookie, if you offer someone to make a free notebook as a sample in the trinket industry, um, you better be prepared to get them their free notebook. Okay. (laughs) And as we should, because we promised it to them. So I'm not, I'm not going to not defend what we shouldn't do there, but back to the topic of giving a mouse a cookie. Um, I think the most overwhelming question that my team and myself can hear from someone upon creating something magical and beautiful is what are you going to do next year? Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's extremely insensitive. You should be present as all the Instagram things tell us or (laughs) yoga or something is that really please take in the all of what it is that's around you right now. And, and, understand and appreciate every single bit of right. it before you ask me. And by the way, hold my drink, right? Because <laughs> challenge is, challenge accepted. There's nothing, there's nothing I want to do than outdo the booth that I will never outdo. Right. Um, but no, it's just kind of one of those things where I know people are, I just probably another one of those times where they can't think of what to say. But um, as we've proven every year that we will find something to do next year. And it might be a little different. It might be a little different spin on creativity. Um, but it's just an insensitive question. So to the 20 people listening, not because of your following Bobby, but because of mine, don't ask me that question. Um, and yeah, be present, enjoy what it is. That was like no other experience around you It's funny. People uh, keep seeing these videos of, that were clearly taken from our rooftop, um, of, you know, saying, Oh, we're at the PPAI show. Look at it. There's tons of booth. And I'm, I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, the the worst thing about our booth is the view.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What was the, What was the, what was the positive response that surprised you? Did you have any?
2: Oh, you know, the ones that it's, and it's the same, it's the same people over and over again that thank us for what we do that come into the booth year before last, um, uh, Danny Rosen from brand mm-hmm. Fuel walks in our booth with tears in yeah. his eyes and is like, thank you. And I think that's one of the, when we talk about what we have to do for the industry, yeah. right? I think Jim that I think about those moments yeah. of someone walking in and thanking us for the level that we demand from other people that are going to keep up with yeah. us or whatever the case may be is seeing that we affected someone personally in that right. way to, to maybe create, loyalty or whatever it is and having that like real true emotion show up of someone being grateful yeah. for us and grateful. It's that moment when you realize who cares about Christmas with your family or Thanksgiving or any of those things that I just spent bitching about for the last six weeks, not necessarily even for me, but for my team members that missed those moments and to have no one acknowledge yeah. that from the, from the outside and then have someone walk in, know it took, every ounce of our being and to be grateful Great for point. it and to right. thank us. Right. And, and there are a lot of those people that, that are truly amazed, overwhelmed, grateful, thankful for every right. bit of it and realize at what expense, not even dollar yeah. wise, but to our, to our team, you know, we, it's, and it's not easy. And I think, I, I do think we make it look easy and there isn't one square inch of that booth that I couldn't turn around in and tell you what the problem was with this and how that <laughs> turned out to be,
0: which I right.
2: love doing like, oh my gosh, you wouldn't believe what this looked like right. two hours ago and how we get through some of those challenges. And we lose a team right. member every single time we do it. And we go into it knowing that we're going to lose a team yeah, member every time because we
0: do it's it. so grueling and intense and um I know we got, I know we need to be respectful of your time so let me ask this final question here what are you going to do next year I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, um, final question what advice do you have for all of us as we strive to tell less product centric stories and more purpose-driven stories with product. I mean, I love what you said about your relationship with product, because those of us that experience the products that we love in our life right now, we have those relationships with product. But you put it in the context of a story in the whole house. I mean, what advice do you have for those of us who want to create these immersive experiences?
2: Jim, I know you have a disclaimer. Yeah, Jim has a...
1: Well, I don't know, Mel. Do you want to go first?
2: (laughs) <laughs> well, no, because I think what I was gonna say here, like, um, y- is kind of the correction. Okay, this is a product driven story.
1: It is. Okay. that's it? That's the whole message here, on. right? You yeah. know, when you okay. when it, to use the fidget spinner thing from the it, everybody had a fidget spinner, right? I don't. Yeah. This is mm-hmm. like the most. It's the simplest thing in the world. You take a look at what it is that your strengths are as a business, and and. Then you try to figure out how to, how to leverage those and apply them in a way that sets you apart. And, and in our circumstance, we are a creatively led organization and from from when we are on the floor, our people are constantly trying to figure out how to bastardize a piece of equipment in order to make it work for what it is our purpose needs right? right and And from those of us that are telling stories that whether it's a distributor or whether it is another supplier or whether it is my my daughter who's having a lemonade stand, right, you have to look at what it is mm-hmm. that you you do halfway decent and figure out how to leverage that and and make it apply in a way that people in a commercial environment want. Right? Yeah. I mean that's it's it's not it yeah. it's and and for some people that might mean that I've got a salesperson in every zip code in this country. That's a wonderful strength. They need to figure out how to yeah. get the fire hose out and and shove more stuff through that channel. In in our circumstance yeah. it is we make our own crap. How do we figure out how to how to from the very beginning make that line up in a way that is a it, it that 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 carries all the way through to a booth right and and
2: and you know what's harder than making a beautiful booth is taking custom things and making them start to finish with you know most suppliers just have to pull it off the wall and print it we want to yeah. talk about oh we cut it wrong oh we did like before we can even get it on the press it's Oh, we pulled the wrong color, but then we got the right color and then we cut it wrong. These are things that people don't even know that are happening over here. That is just, we have that many more... Obstacles in our way, by way of what? But you would never even and, know it. And, oh, and I, I we have a hard time convincing people we make things. They think we pull this stuff. And
1: off from the a brand, so and from a branding yeah. standpoint, Common Skew, like SkewCon and SkewCamp, the the swag bags from there. I mean, everyone loves everything in there, right? And and right. and Mark and the and the and the, your team at Common Skew, you curate that, knowing that you have to create something that people look forward to love revere will use. Right. And it is yeah. now, is that a product driven story or is that a uh, purpose driven right. story? You know what right. I mean? The purpose of what you're doing, you're creating yeah. a community, but you're trying, that product has to line up with what your community is, right? You're not creating uh, uh you didn't decide to have a swag bag and born of that swag bag is common skew.
0: Well, what you did with what, what you did with product is you also put it in context. So in both those cases, you built beautiful products. Like you said, you have a relationship with product, but then you put it in context that we would understand. And there's the part of the story in the sense that you, you embraced it better. You understand its context. You understand how you received it. You understand where it lives in its relation to you. That was one of the beautiful, subtle things I saw Absolutely. in the house.
2: So the other day I Googled, the definition of design and I can't remember why I was doing it. It wasn't for this. It was for something else. And I screenshot another thing popped up, which was the question, what is the purpose of design? And I screenshot it because the answer it it reads design is the process of intentionally creating something simultaneously considering its objective slash purpose, comma, function economics socio cultural factors and aesthetics yeah. when i think about what we designed it encompasses every angle of that whether you're looking at the product the structure the story the it just embodies every bit of you know we have in this industry we have graphic designers which i like to call graphic artists right Uh, They can be a graphic designer if they can curate their own, um, if they don't, if they don't need a non-designer to help them fix it. And so you have these, you have designers, right? And you have people that can look at visionaries and look at the big picture and figure out how that is all going to work together and Mm -hmm. make sense with your, what you're trying to do and make sense dollar wise, right? Like, okay, how... How long did it take us to make that email blast and is that, do we generate the kind of response that is worth making the email blast that pretty? Yeah. And by the way, if we can't make it pretty in a reasonable amount of time, then we're not sending it. Yeah. Um. So you, you, you get stuck in these, people are paying for these booths anyway. I could. To even ship your booth to a show, it's outrageous. Yeah, to buy right, the square right, footage on the point. floor, it's outrageous. Yep. You're already spending the money, yeah. and sometimes you might not. I don't know. You're already spending the money. Yeah. You can half-ass it, or you can whole-ass it. <laughs> right. We decide to whole-ass it, <laughs> and we. Right. You know, is it worth it? I don't it's know. It's incredibly I'll tell difficult. You in a couple of years.
1: And and uh, the uh, have you ever seen Moneyball or read Moneyball? There's a scene in there's a scene in it yes. where they're trying to. Talk to the guy that they want to convert to a first from a DH to a first baseman or something, and 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 the character that plays Ron Washington used to be the manager of the Rangers, sitting in a in a in this guy's house, and they're like, "Hey, we want to turn you into a first baseman," and he's like, "I've never played that position before." And Billy Bean, who's Brad Pitt, sits there and he says, "Oh yeah, uh, Ron will teach you. It's a piece of cake." And he looks at and he looks at Ron Washington, who's like a renowned infield coach, and says, "Can you? Is it is it really easy?" And he looks at him, and he says, "It's incredibly difficult." <laughs> <laughs> so- you know what I, and, and so that is what, what, what in looking at all of that,
0: mm.
1: and, and I guess from a purpose driven standpoint, if you're not trying to do those things that line up well that, that are incredibly difficult, Someone yeah. else is going to do that. This is, I mean, I love to tell, I tell my grandma, I tell, I'm a communist, I'm a communist, I'm a socialist, right? And, and the re- the the reality is I'm a capitalist pig and, and so is Mel. And we are trying to figure out how to eke out and scratch out every possible advantage that we can. And if we're not doing that in this world of consolidation where everybody's buying everybody and the coolest yeah. ind- independent suppliers are being bought up and the same can be said for independent distributors – yeah. and it's just turning into this homogenized thing we have to scratch and pull and do everything far more, it, 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 the absolute difficult in order to sustain ourselves and it's, i would say yeah. that that purpose if if as a distributor you're not doing the same thing when i think of distributors that i admire i look at what it is that they're doing and it looks incredibly easy and it is incredibly difficult
2: and if mm-hmm. we're going to go down like blockbuster, it's going to be, or we're not going to have a blockbuster story. It's going to be the Titanic and we're going to play <laughs> all the way down
1: and, <laughs> and, and we're going to look good doing it. And we're not even going to like, yeah, get uh, this for this it's
2: just, we're going to accept it and know that we literally died trying. And <laughs> one thing I want to close with too, yeah. is this whole, as consumers, when you buy things, you know, I don't want to say tied or, you know, very kind of how you choose your laundry detergent. That's pretty basic, but I don't know. Let's say you're on the wine aisle and you're going to, wine's not a good example either because I don't want people to judge me for picking wine <laughs> off the labels, but makeup, makeup <laughs> is a great one. Okay. Neither of you are going to be able to relate to this, but when you're at Ulta or Sephora or wherever, and you're really just, you want to try a new face wash or you want to try, you you narrow it down to about four that you like what they say they're going to do or whatever. And then those of us that p- place value on pretty things, which should, A, should be everybody in this industry.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: absolutely,
2: You're going to narrow it down to packaging or yeah. what's pretty or what looks the best. Sometimes it's the only sole way you can make a decision. Yes. And I know that's how I make my decisions sometimes, yeah. which it's like some, when it's not money-based or it's not that, you know, all these face washes cost the same or yeah. who cares? I'll pay $5 more for the prettier one or whatever the case right. may be. If we aren't viewing things like that in an industry that is marketing and design driven, you're doing it wrong.
0: Yeah. You Amen. are doing
2: it wrong.
0: Great point. Great point. Amen. Guys, that's a great way to end. Thank you for your time. I know you're trying to ship another booth today. You've got so much I going on. Ship a booth today. squeeze it's this in. It's <laughs> uh, thank you guys so much. You, you already know this. We respect the hell out of you. We loved visiting the factory. Um, and it's just nothing but respect for you guys. Thanks, Bobby. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Skewcast. Be sure to keep up with our latest content by subscribing to Skewcast on iTunes or to our blog at community.com/skew.com. Until next time, friends. Thanks so much for listening.